Stravacraft Coffee is a rich CBD-infused coffee that you can now purchase in K-Cups for your Keurig, or you can also buy their whole bat, whole bean or ground options. Wow. Support our partners. That helps support us as well. And when you support StravaCraft, you can get 20% off when you buy with code DNVR20 at checkout online. You can also try it before you buy it if you want to go in and around Denver with places Opening back up again, places like Carbon Cafe, Drip Denver, Slow High Coffee, Blue Sparrow Coffee, and Max Market are offering you Strava Craft Coffee as well. The CBD is non-psychoactive, and it's been known to help many different aches and pains. So do go ahead and give it a try and use that DNVR20 code. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. Shoots and scars! Nathan McKinnon! Call JT Comfer! 877 goes now! Gabriel Landeskog! Collective hugs! 29 and 92! See me by Grubauer! Move over, Picasso! This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious! <laughs> Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. They have over a thousand different varieties of beer for you to try at either of their two locations in Centennial and Highlands Ranch. I am Rudo. Joining me, as always, is AJ. Today, based off a conversation we had on our last show and a bit over the weekend during our NHL 20 tournament as well, I wanted to have a conversation about current NHLers that are, first of all, shoe-ins to be Hall of Famers, but also ones that are on a trajectory towards the Hall of Fame. So there are a handful of guys that I think are interesting when it comes to this conversation. You know, you can start out with the obvious. Ovechkin, Crosby, Malkin, I would say even Patrick Kane and Joe Thornton are pretty much locks as Hall of Famers. I don't think there's a ton of doubt with those guys. So not that interesting of a conversation, right? They're going to go – they could retire today, and they'd probably make the Hall of Fame. Yeah, those guys should get in. So that is what it is. But there's a group of players just behind them as far as players currently in the NHL that had they retired today, it would be – I don't know if they would be a lock, certainly, but – I think they would at least have to be in consideration. Uh, the first of those I would like to jump into here is Joe Thornton's running mate and Patrick Marlowe. You know, before looking at any of the numbers, I probably would have said, oh, he's a 500 goal scorer. He's got so many games played. Yep. You know, he's still been very productive uh, even though obviously sort of the last half of his career last half last several years we're talking about a guy that's slowed down significantly absolutely uh you know he's fifth all time in games played and we're talking about retiring today so he wouldn't move up that list but it would take less than one full season for him to move into first yeah and you kind of go and you look at his career and I mean, it's really just been the last couple of years, just the last five years where he dipped below 50 points. He's still been a 20 goal guy. I I think he probably, I would put him in. So you're putting Patrick Marlowe in the hall of fame, but you're I, not I am... putting Milan Hayduk on the abs Mount Rushmore because he's an accumulator. Um, a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's a little, I mean, the guy also has 562 career goals. Sure. You know, like it's, ooh, that's a lot of goals to keep out of the hall of fame. It is. It absolutely um, is. And that's kind of the same as like a guy like Dave Andrew where I'm rewarding longevity, even though at no point would you say he was really 
you know, he only has a couple of point per game seasons. Right in the heart of his career, he had like that. He had like a five year stretch. Yep. Where he elevated that game. Sure. Um, and I think that's the biggest knock against him is that he just didn't have an elite stretch where he was, you know, uh, you you could go through every single season of his career and you might be able to say there are, there are multiple guys that you might take over him as a wing I, instead. Like that would be the biggest case against him, right? Is that uh, like the, the peak may not have been very, very high with the existence of a Joe Thornton and a little bit further down the line, Joe Pavelski, he was never the best player on his team. Yeah. But when you, when you are talking about a guy who plays with like a surefire hall of famer, it's like, well, sure. I, I understand that, but nonetheless, he didn't quite, put together a fantastic resume when it comes to awards. It's not bulletproof. I will say that. I think this is as borderline as it gets. It's also the Hockey Hall of Fame, and I would like to see what he does internationally. I I don't have all that in front of me. Two gold medals at the World... or Sorry, one gold medal at the World Championship and two Olympic golds with Canada. I think we're done here. You think two Olympic golds is enough? Yeah. All right. Well, that brings me to... I think that's... that's, I mean, you're talking about a a career that is now spanning three different decades. Just a ton of success. uh, Even though he never got the cup. Okay. I, I mean, I think that's a great transition into this next guy. Someone who... Okay. These days, the abs probably hate a little bit more. But Eric Stahl... He's over no. a thousand point player. He's won mm-hmm. a cup. He's won an Olympic gold. He's won a world championship. Over 1,200 games played. 436 goals, 585 assists. It's a great career. Yeah, nearly, you know. Did win did, a cup. Yep. That if you're making the case for Patrick Marlowe because he has two Olympic gold medals, Eric Stahl has a cup and a gold medal at the Olympics and is a better point producer to this point in his career than Marlowe. And this, that's one where maybe the late career swoon for Marlowe hurts him a little bit. Him. Yeah. Um, Definitely, though, with Stahl, he had a he had a peak, man. Yeah. He had he had a peak where he was in the the late two thousands, early twenty tens. He was among the league's best centers, a, a seventy point floor player. In that yeah, time. and well, in a in a thirty goal score, he had. You go and you look at early in his career. In, in multiple 40-goal seasons there. Yeah. Right. But, like, he had – his low mark was 29 after his rookie season. Yeah. And then when when he – when they – when he kind of hit the lull, they hit the lull, and then everybody will eventually figure it out and kind of move on. Um, I do think that he he gets dinged because he looked completely washed by the end. In Carolina, I yeah. mean, that last year there was a struggle, right? And then uh, it it you don't know like is it is it just because Carolina wasn't very good? Because as soon as he went to Minnesota, he was revitalized again. He puts up another forty another forty goal season. Yep. And you know, obviously, like when you have a career high shooting percentage, just sort of randomly drop out of the sky for you. You're like, oh look, I'm good again, but. <laughs> I mean, he surrounded it with a 28-goal season, a 22-goal season, and was on pace for certainly more than 20 goals this year uh, if a full season was played. But the big – I'm – boy, this is a hard no in in terms of not like me saying like, oh, 
easy pass or whatever. I'm going to say no, but it's going to be just barely. This one of the ones that like. This is really close. Yeah. 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 That is a tough one. I, I, when I looked into the research, I think I ended up kind of just on the other side of the fence there where I was like, maybe he just barely squeaks in. You could, if if like somebody were to like pound the table, mm-hmm. cool, it's fine. I'm not gonna freak out about that. Okay, I'm okay with that. I think he's. I think it's right there. It's a it's a super borderline case, and I'm I'm here for both sides of it. So if he has one more Olympic gold, is he in? Uh, probably. So then just because being on just being on those those Canadian teams meant you had to be so damn good. The the next person on my list then is Ryan Getzlev. Who does have the two golds. And he's cup. got yeah, he, he has two cups. He right? has one cup, I believe. Yeah, just the one. They only won the one. Yeah. The Ducks have only won one cup, and the the sadness of Jaguar winning the the Smythe but losing the cup. <laughs> Boy, this one's hard because he's still like he's right at a point per game, like he's just below it. Yeah, it, if you gave him two more seasons, he'd be a thousand point player, but. If he retired today, another one that's like, boy, you could really go either way with it. Yeah, and again, another guy though that had the had a peak mm-hmm. that you were talking about. This guy is among the best in in the league and the yep. best in the world for sure. It, you know, because you remember, like, there was a time. And we, and it's hard to to look at this in the historical context without looking at it in the individual years in terms of point scoring, because there was a time where scoring like dead puck era, man, yeah, like a seventy point season. You're talking about like those guys were where it was at. Yep. So him having a seventy point season in 2014-15, we talk about a seventy point season today, and you're like, oh, hey, like Matt Duchesne, Dylan Larkin, like those are Ryan O'Reilly. Those guys are good. But in terms of scoring, you're like, eh, it's like top 30. Yeah, a 70-point season in the mid-10s is you're 25 points away from the top score in the league, not 50. (laughs) Right. So, you know, it's – man, he was always so dangerous with the puck, too somewhat unique as well with the the physical side being a bigger bodied player and yeah. wasn't full Corey Perry but certainly wasn't afraid to get dirty when he had to yeah and and i mean let's see here he had that 0708 and he just has this he rips off a run of point per game seasons interrupted by just one random year in 11-12, where he had 57 points in 82 games, surrounded by point-per-game seasons in an era where guys just weren't doing it. Um, Boy, he's, he's really hard for me to leave out because his peak was so good, and I think we're going to have a hard time History-wise, I think we're going to have a hard time with these guys from this era because yeah. there are some guys who are coming up on this list, guys like Backstrom, uh, yep. guys like Kessel, yep. uh, guys like Drew, uh, Gabrick, uh, Corey Perry. I mean, Justin Williams is kind of on – I mean, scoring-wise, he's he's in this neighborhood. Sure. Um, Zach Parise, Blake Wheeler. Um what do we do with a lot of these guys? Because the scoring was just down right. relative to their eras. They, they had it going on, but when you put them up historically, they just weren't the same levels. And, and, you know, this is where like era adjustments would really be handy. Yep. I'm just not smart enough to do that, I guess. 
<laughs> I definitely don't have the math skills. Yeah, and like some of these two-way guys that are sitting here on this list, like a Marion Hosa, like that's an easy yes for me. It's Bergeron, yeah, sure. Yeah, Bergeron and Kopitar, I think those are both easy yeses. We're talking yep. multiple cups, insanely good two-way games. Yeah. Um, there's more than just scoring that, like, there, right? Yeah, right. Like there's there's reputation as like very, very, very high end on the defensive side as well. You know, just below a point per game. I mean, Jason Spezza up until the last couple of years, he was a point per game player until he got to like age 35. Yep. And how much are you going to knock a guy for not being able to continue producing at a point per game pace? You know, when he gets into a to, to a thousand games played and he's at a thousand points. It's it's so it's so rough with with that. How to consider those types of guys who I think are generational greats, but maybe not all time greats. And I think that's how I feel about Getzlaff and Spezza and Zetterberg and those fellas. They fall right on the Hall of Fame line, basically. Yeah. Where the Hockey Hall of Fame isn't, like, insanely restrictive, and I would rather it be like, hey, like, maybe if you have close, a couple maybe guys. Maybe you let them in, yeah. <laughs> maybe, I mean, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with it being, like, hey, erring uh, on the side of letting a guy like Ryan Getzlaff in. Sure. Multiple championship-type things, whether it be Olympics yeah. or Cup or whatever. Best player on his team for a long time, whatever. Uh, well... A couple more. Did he ever win any major award? Did he ever come close enough? Uh, I don't have that in front of you. I don't know if Quant Hockey lists the individual awards. Let's see. I got this one. Okay. Uh, He had a second place finish in the heart in 1314. Okay. Second place. Pretty good. Yeah. He's had a couple. He's. He's finished in the top 10 in hard voting three times. Yeah. He's also, speaking about two-way players, he's also gotten, Selkie. Votes, yeah. gotten Selkie votes. Like, he never has gotten close to winning it. Um, but Selkie votes in nine, nine seasons. And some of these is like he finished 53rd. So he got like one fourth place vote or something, but he did have a top 10 finish and he had, he finished 10th in Selkie in 13, 14. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't put too much stock in that, but no, but like, just to give you some perspective, like this is why when we say, Oh, award voting doesn't matter. You look at historically and you're like, okay, well, you know, he had a year. I would put well, more stock in the heart finishes. I think we both have agreed, at least off stream, also that we do not care about all star appearances at all when it comes to I, this type of thing. I don't, just because of the way that the certainly how the system is now, where it's like you can only vote have, it in, and you have three players for right. Like you have, you have. Uh, oh, hey, there has to be a guy from all seven rosters. Uh, in your division, oh, it's, it's eight in all the other divisions, and, and it's the like, home it's, team just magically gets three players, and it's yeah, like... <laughs> it's just it's very it's the and the rosters are just so small compared to what they used to be, where it was like yeah, you could make you could have four four or five guys if you were if you were one of the best teams in the league, you can have those guys make uh, make cases. Um, the not anymore when when it comes to all star appearances. It just doesn't it doesn't have that weight anymore. All right. Well, we can go ahead and, and wrap up this first period. We have some good questions in the live chat that we'll get to in a minute. But first, it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR on the taps over at the DNVR bar. Or you can always purchase, whether it be through Drizzly or head on down to your local grocery store even. They are in pretty much everywhere in and around Colorado. You can pick up that 15-can Mile High City Copper Lager, the Avalanche Amber, the Strawberry Sky, the new mountain beach which i still haven't been able to get my hands on but aj was was all over it the other day but 
plenty of amazing beers. You can even get it from their farmhouse down in Littleton when you call 303-803-1380. Schedule for pickup from noon to 8 p.m. And save $5 when you use code DNVR. On top of this, we also have my pick of the week for DraftKings. Right now, they're doing a little bit of a bonus boost here with golf actually properly returning. Look, the the play-in matches between Tiger and Phil and, and them was, was interesting, but it wasn't a proper golf tournament. Golf is coming back, and they are giving you a plus 2,000 odds boost on both Rory McIlroy and Brooks Kepka hitting an eagle in the Charles Schwab Challenge. Just any time during the tournament, if both of them get an eagle. So that's my pick of the week. You put down $10, you have a chance to win $200 because professional golfers eagle. The way that the way that these guys are able to find ways to convince you to give them money is incredible. That, it's it, awesome because that's totally a bet that I would take. Right. It's like, I'm like, are you serious? Rory, Rory Mackle in a tournament making make one eagle? eagle? Yep. <laughs> You got to think the odds feel pretty good, right? These guys are pretty good at golf. So <laughs> it's not like equal on an exact hole. No, nope. he only gets one shot at it. It's the whole tournament. So you're like up to 72 holes, assuming he makes a cut. Yeah. You're like, all right, dude's got 72 swings at this thing. <laughs> so, hey, look. And it's not quite the free money that uh, the UFC betting on Amanda Nunes was. I was going to say, betting on Amanda Nunes was, like, pretty easy. Yeah, you you want these odds, but either you wanted, way. You wanted to go against her just because the odds were, like, they were enticing enough where you're like, oh, man. Well, did you see the the dude... I don't know if you watched the fight or not, but no. they talked about it on the cast where some dude bet a million dollars for winning to win 166,000 on demand and Nunez. And it's like, there's like you won dude, but that risk was not worth the reward. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing with that $166,000 that you couldn't have just done with the million right. you dropped? Exactly. Of course. I, th- I feel like making a bet like that is entirely about saying you made the bet. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they talked about it on air. Fair point. That guy, that guy he got what he there. wanted. Yeah, that guy was sitting there wherever he was with those peeps and being like, "Y'all know who that is." Well, that's me. <laughs> I would make sure if I was if they were talking about my bet live on on air, and I was the guy that bet a million dollars on an outcome. I would have been like, "That's my ticket," and then I would have had bodyguards surrounding me to make sure that people don't get a little hyphy. <laughs> but it would have been awesome. I would I would make damn sure everybody knows that that was me. Fair enough. Well, if you want to be that guy and bet a million dollars over on DraftKings Sportsbook right now, you can. Head on over. You'll even get a $1,000 bonus when you sign up with code DNVR. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out for all of y'all as we are still pretty new to this whole sports betting thing here in Colorado. You must be 21 or older. Colorado only bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and first bet match each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25x playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. Cygnus in the chat brought up someone that, you know, goalies are weird and all, but Marc-Andre Fleury, if he retired today, he has three Stanley Cups in his back pocket. I mean, no, no. You think even with a fourth Stanley Cup appearance with Vegas? Well, let's be real. He wasn't starting. He wasn't, he wasn't the starting goaltender on two of the Pittsburgh wins. That is very true. You know, that's like being like, that's like trying to see the abs win the cup with, with Pavel Francois starting in net for them this year. It's like being, well, Philip Grubauer's won two cups. Sure. Technically. Yeah. But like flower didn't start those games. So, you know, he has flower has one cup as, uh, as a, as the starter, as the man. He has one cup 
I'll also say he's barely in the top 25 in save percentage in the league currently. Um, this, with, this is all players with a minimum of 200 games played in the league. Uh, so um, make what you want of the, the wins category. That is the category he leads in the NHL, which that's I mean, a whole nother debate. He's he's what fifth all time in wins. Oh, uh, we can look up the all time numbers here. Let me see. S- yeah, fifth, just ahead of Hank. And like, we'll put some distance there because he's got time. Hank is winding down, basically. Yeah, yeah. So you know, Flurry Flurry could catch both Belfour and Luongo. In the next couple of years. You're talking about third all-time in wins. I mean, is is Luongo? Is Luongo a Hall of Famer? I I say yes. Um, (laughs) The save percentage that he had over over a thousand games. And he finishes with a 919. Girl, please. That's it's too good. He certainly seemed like a Hall of Famer every time the Amps came to town. <laughs> oh, he destroyed them. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's really... Gosh, a guy with that, a guy with that much success, it's really hard to, to leave Flower Art and say no. Let's see. And, and I mean, you have the magic of, hey, he, he backstopped... An expansion team to the to to within what three wins of the of the cup? Yep. And like you go and you look at that team and you're like, look, that was a solid team, but why were they there? Number one reason was Marc Andre Fleury. Yeah. I it's always goaltending when it comes to those type of teams. So uh, I've I've talked myself into no and now yes. Screw it. You not- can say he's a little overrated, but he's still a Hall of Famer. Not a great international record. Two silvers at the under-20 World Championships. Never really got taken to Olympics or uh, the Men's World Championships, things like that. So, Well, and you could say, okay, well, he didn't get to go to World Championships because he was always playing into the playoffs. Very fair, yeah. but none, no Olympics, nonetheless. Still, yeah, yeah. sure. And you can then, only bring so many goalies, but right. And then you're playing, you're playing in an area and in, in the era of Carey Price. Yep. But even as a backup, never been making it. You have to wonder a little bit there. Uh, as far as awards voting, the best he ever finished for the Vesna was fourth, and that was in eighteen nineteen with Vegas. With Vegas, yeah. Yeah, uh, how much of those wins were just because he was on Pittsburgh for that? Right. <laughs> when they you were know, winning f- 60 games a year. Yeah, for, I mean, he's got, he's had Crosby and Malkin his entire career. Yep. Yeah, that's a tough, I, I think I actually is hard towards no on, on yeah. Flurry right now. I think so too. As I continue to flip flop on him, he's just such a tough case. Yeah. How much do you value wins? Um. And like, how much? How much is wins a valuable statistic to you? It's a team stat. And it's awarded to one player. Um. The he's got three Stanley Cups, but he was on the bench for the last two. I mean, you look at playoff performance in the playoffs. He has a nine eleven save percentage. Like solid. But nothing spectacular, yeah. Yeah, but he's got three cups. We're putting Roberto Luongo, who never won a cup, and we're like, oh, yeah, easily. I I think we're showing our biases, perhaps, of not caring as much about cups as as many Hall of Fame. Well, and not, like, obsessing over team accomplishments when it comes to assessing the quality of of a player's career. Yep. You know, like Jonathan Taves probably gets into the real Hall of Fame, and I wouldn't put him. I in. I I was gonna get to him actually, and, and so again, I, I agree with you. He has three cups that he captained a team to, but the player Definitely. himself is not well, a Hall of Fame caliber player. I, insane international success too, a couple of golds, like he he will have had every team accomplishment imaginable when his career is over. He will just have just, just stacks. 
of of accomplishments, and I don't care. But uh, this is a guy who's a point eight six four points per game, eight hundred and fifteen points in nine hundred and forty three games played. Doesn't even have three hundred and fifty goals yet in his career as he approaches let's, the thousand game mark. Let's see. Let's see what that looks like at the end of his career. Right. And and exactly. that could be like a point seven points per game. And you're just like, is that guy going downhill? Can a, a Jonathan Taze hang around and have a long enough career to be an accumulator and, and end up like a Patrick Marlowe? And ultimately, then he probably deserves to get in on his own merits. But if he retired today, I don't. He'd get in because of the cups and and gold medals, but the players on ice product, I don't think deserves to be in. Yeah. And yet he's still in the NHL's top 100 players of all time. (laughs) Well, they made that list once. So Uh, Danny Romero in the chat asks, what are the bar minimum requirements to get into the hall of fame? And I, I understand that's a bit of a moving target based on what you won in your career and things like that. But there's a couple of big statistical benchmarks, I think, that are meaningful, that if you hit them, you're you force your way into a conversation. Um, I think 500 goals is one of them, because that's just. Yep, I would agree. That's so many goals. Yeah, like that's that's not like, a, oh, you had a good stretch for four years. You know, I mean, you go look at like a Danny Heatley's career is a great example. Like that guy was extremely good elite for a handful of years and it just won't be nearly enough 500 goals in the nhl is more goals than most human beings play organized hockey games in their life yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah it's it's an absurd number when you actually start to think about right. it right i mean 500 goals at the highest level like it's yep. just it's so so impressive that's not to say 400 goals isn't but five maybe you got to separate somewhere Yep. Um, I think when you start to hit a thousand games played, I think that's also kind of like a a big number. We're talking about longevity. Longevity, I think, is always important. Now, if you're very special, you know, Lindros, Forsberg, Bure, you could can you you look at okay, they don't hit those numbers, but But they're also rest of their well over a point per game in those their shortened career. So right. You know, uh, Paul Correa, another guy where, yep. you know, the statistical resume might come up a little bit short, but you're like the highest of the high in terms of peaks in their careers. All right. We've done the easy stuff. We've, we've talked about the forwards. We've uh, oh, we've geez. we've gleaned over the defenseman a little bit here. So. Yeah. I'm just going to go in in point total order here. Brent Burns? No. I think it's a pretty easy no for me as well. Next two on my list, I think, are an easy yes. Chara and Keith. Yes. EK is a yes. Yes. And that's... Man. Then things get interesting after that. Ryan Suter... Keith Yandel and Shea Weber. Keith Yandel, no. 573 points in 976 games as a defenseman. No shame in that. Guys had a great career. I don't think there's ever been a point in Keith Yandel's career where he was a top five defenseman in the NHL. I would be hard pressed to disagree with that. He's never maybe, won anything. Maybe top like, I mean, his best offensive season came two years ago in Florida with 62 points. Yeah, for Yandel, Yandel, I think, is an easy no. Um, with while, while acknowledging, look, the guy's had a great career. Hall of very good, I would agree. Yeah. We'll finish as one of the most underrated and underappreciated offensive defensemen of this generation. No, yeah, came fifth in the Norris voting in 2011, and that's the closest he ever got. Okay. Um. So yeah. So that's Weber and Suter are tough because there have been a number of years where they were superstars. 
And if Weber's healthy, I think he's in for sure. Yeah. But he's not been healthy. <laughs> well, and, and Suter's just a machine. He's yeah. going to continue. I could play out the rest of his contract. Already has 1,100 games. Right. Like he could have a Chara esque kind of long, longevity here. Um, the big the big problem with Suter is that he shackled himself to Minnesota for his career. Yep. He will never have the kind of postseason success. He might have some international success, but it won't be much um, because he was born in the wrong country. <laughs> Oops. He did have world junior medal, gold medal, but has an Olympic second place and has to, you know, world, world junior is like way more impressive when like, you're talking about like a guy whose career where you're just like, Oh, and he won in juniors. Right. When they're completing the, uh, the triple. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like the thing that like props up your international resume. We were like, well, as a 17 year old, you know, um, boy, I think I put Suter in. Did have he's, a second place Norris year, a fourth place Norris year. He's so good, and he continues to be outstanding. There's the there's the style of play too, right? For a guy who's like you're like, all right, he's gonna play thirty minutes every single night. That's a lot of hockey. Yeah, for eleven hundred games, just keeps chugging away. Yeah, yeah. What is his time on ice in his career? Uh, it's a lot. I can tell you that. Average 25 11. Yeah, that's his average. His total is 28, almost 29,000 minutes. Yeah. So in his career, you look at eight years in, in Minnesota. So seven years in Nashville, he averaged 22 37. For the last eight years in Minnesota, it's been 27 29. Yep. And this year was the lowest that he's ever had in Minnesota. At twenty four thirty eight. At twenty four thirty eight, yeah, that's insane. He had a two year stretch where he was at twenty nine, twenty nine, and twenty eight and a half. For reference, Just, that's insane. He's playing half the game for three straight years. He played half the game. Shea Weber, who has been in the league just as long, averages over a minute less of average time on ice per game. And total minutes is more than 5,000 minutes behind. Uh, that's just, just under 5,000, excuse me. That's but, three seasons. Yep. It's two and a half seasons of, of high-end defensive play. Yep. And the, the injuries in the last three years have slowed him down so much. Basically, he had, he had one great year in Montreal, and then... He's been great when he's been healthy for the Canadiens. It just he just hasn't stayed that way. One hundred percent. The injuries have really hampered his career. I for I still I mean he's had so many high finishes in the Norris. Like I will say, he also is the goal scoring leader of defensemen. He has five top five finishes in the Norris. Yeah, including. Two second place finishes, a third and two fourths. I, he, and and then he's also he also has a sixth and eighth, a tenth, like <laughs> yeah. a seventh, like so. You're going, he's got like eight top tens. <laughs> yeah, like this is. I think Shea Weber is a yes, uh, even with the injuries here at the end. Oh my gosh, he was just so good. Oh, yeah, he was a he was a different beast for sure with that slap shot too. Uh, two gold medals. At the Olympics, international success is there. So nice, got the mute button. <laughs> well done. Yeah, just sneeze my face off. <laughs> so, all right, I think Weber is a yes. I'm looking up and down the rest of this list, and I don't know that I see another. If they retired today, another defensive Hall of Famer. I think the the one that I think really jumps out. Um, I think Drew Doughty sure. is going to make a really interesting case because I think the first half of his career, multiple cups, multiple was, the, was yeah. the co the co superstar of those Kings teams next to Kopitar, who I who I said yes on. Um, 
does have a Norris. I want to see what the second half of his career looks like. For sure. I guess, because since the Kings stopped being good, so did he. And I think that's... If if homie can't get himself to take these it seriously because the Kings are bad, I think it's going to be a tough look. Playing himself out of the hall, yeah. It, yeah, and the, the, the thing is, though, is that like Taves, like just so much success, right? Like yeah. two two Stanley Cups, multiple gold medals, uh, and and as one of the stars of those teams too. Not like a guy that was like the third pairing defenseman who just sort of took the ice, you know? Yeah, but I I guess this is another guy like. If he plays long enough, you know, he'll hit a thousand games pretty soon yeah. for a defenseman. If he can get up to like 700 points. Yeah. And if he could get to 600 points, he's I mean, I, he should get to 600, I think, but, but yeah, I, I would say, I think let's assume like a solid finish to Dowdy's career. I would say certainly yes on the trajectory. Yeah. And we'll get into some more guys like that in just a minute here, but boy. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I I I think a a guy that stands out on this list as interesting, I would say no, but certainly interesting would be Jay Bomeister. Yeah, that's definitely not a Hall of Fame career, I don't think. But. A recognition of, I mean, just an excellent player for that, a very, very long time. That is the type of player that I think the St. Louis Blues should consider retiring his number. Did he play enough there? He, His career was kind of odd because he, he did bounce around. He had three teams that you think when I think of Jay Bowmeister, there are three teams that I that I remember sure. him playing for. Um I guess yeah, he did play half his career in St. Louis. Eight years in St. Louis, including yeah. this one. And presumably his career is over. Yeah, and it was it's just that the injuries kept the games played low. What is what? Are people doing on quant hockey? I'm just scrolling through most recent Jay Bowmeister comparisons: Alex Ovechkin and David Krejci. <laughs> um, what? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that that's a that's a weird one. Um, yeah, I don't but know what that is. Bowmeister definitely a different type of defenseman than it, than some of these ones at the top. I think Bowmeister really sort of provided a model for what teams wanted as they transitioned from one era, because when he was drafted, it was, you still wanted your number one guy to be a rugged, mean, nasty player. And he was never really that guy. He was sort of a transition to great skating, reliable puck moving, Modern defensive. Um, yeah, kind of what you're looking for today um, in terms of like your top guy where it's like he could get physical, wasn't wasn't really that guy. Like he, you know, he had he has 800 hits in his career, but only two years where more than 100 and it was early in his career. So never really an overly physical guy, but did it a little bit was more, you know, definitely did the block shot thing, but not at like a super, super high level. Um, I think provided a good blueprint for modern day defensemen to kind of follow. Well, you can be successful if you're great on your feet and you move pucks. Yeah. But the rest of these guys, if they were to end their careers today. Yeah, it's I, hard I to... think. A guy that, no surprise, a, a guy that's on his way is a guy like Dougie Hamilton. Yeah. Romeo there, Yossi. I mean, yeah, Yossi for sure, I would say. Victor Hedman. Uh, yeah. And you can go you can go down the list. Um, <clears throat> some other interesting ones down there, depending on the longevity of someone like a Vlasic or... I mean, Chris Letang is a pretty interesting one. He's, you know, three cups and... 
the health yeah. really was yep. the big thing with him, though. Is I don't yeah. know that Latang would make it just because the the games played is is right. so He's, low. How many years does that guy have left? Is the question. Yeah, and how productive does he remain in those years? Maybe. If he stays exact at the exact same level he's at now, maybe maybe he does pump that up, and and you know we look back five years from now and we're like, damn, Chris, this Tang. is a lock, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like this dude, this dude forced his way in, but for right now, I would say the injuries might have cost Chris Tang a Hall of Fame. Yep, I, I definitely think they did at this point, but you never know. Uh, guys down the list, a uh, uh, John Klingberg, of course, Kale McCarr, if you're really projecting, but. Yeah, I mean, you want to look forward. I mean, Rossmus Darlene. Yeah, gonna end it. right. Of course, Quinn Hughes. I mean, how can you not? <laughs> well, we can get into a little bit more of that projecting in the third period. But when you do retire, you usually end up playing a lot of golf, especially if you're a hockey player. But now you can do that without leaving your couch. With WGT Golf, they have now Ooh. partnered with us here at DNVR you can head on over to dnvrgolf.com to download the game and join the DNVR Clubhouse. WGT Golf is a free golf game that is loved by more than 20 million players around the world. You can even play it on your phone. So if you're on the go, riding the train or something like that, just pick it open, play a quick round, get in even on the DNVR tournaments that we have every other weekend, playing real-to-life courses like St. Andrews, Page Black, and pebble beach many others too uh you can compete head to head with us here at dnvr there's always people trying to throw together mashes over in the dnvr lounge adam trying to snake you in a best of one series on golf holes which is ridiculous but nonetheless you can jump in on it again at dnvrgolf.com to download wgt golf today third period of the dnvr Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Rudo and AJ. So retiring today is a little bit easier because you don't have to project. Okay. I do want to do full, full projecting here, but there is one player that I think at least I would like to talk about a little bit. And that being Ilya Kovalchuk. No. No? He is... Going back to Russia cost cost it. You think so? He would have had a 600-goal career. I mean, if he stayed in the NHL, I think he's the easiest lock ever. But But he didn't, and... There were... were... What were his major Russian accomplishments? He won two Gagarin Cups... Uh, was over a point-per-game player in Russia in about 300 games. Um, I don't I, I don't know where to find Russian MVP of the league stuff like there that. There you go. But... So the short version of that was who cares? Okay, sure. Nonetheless... Um... This is... Like, we're not, we're, not, we're not putting guys in the Hall of Fame because of the shit they do in the KHL. When you, you when you walk that? away when you walk when you walk away from the NHL, you you're kind of giving the league the finger, and I think this is this is a good way for the league to give him the finger right back. He does have an Olympic gold. He good did win him. a Rocket Richard when he was in the NHL. So did Duke. Yeah, it's true. But uh, Hey Duke wasn't exactly close to a point per game player either. I just I just think. Um, he walked away during his during an important stretch of his career where had he stayed and continued to be productive and do what he was doing, he was easily on he was easily on that track. But when you take yourself off that track, you take yourself off that track. All right. All like, right. You know, you I will. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. Uh, had he stayed, you, you even, get off the train headed for the Hall of Fame to Toronto. You don't get to punch your ticket at the end saying you got there. Well, he hopped the, off. So the thing is, had he stayed even 
a few more years. Yeah. Had he, he would stayed, have, I mean, he would have hit years. 500 goals, yeah. you know, probably 900 points anyway, uh, if not a thousand. So, I yeah, I I don't know if it's the state. Maybe it's the other side. Maybe he just took a little bit too long to come back. Sure. Um, but either yeah, way, I mean, Malkin and Crosby are, are like yeah, obvious, super yes, duper like... auto locks. <laughs> yeah, there's not even really a conversation there. So yeah, so Kovalchuk I think is a no um, because there was just never uh, he just he just took himself out of there. Yep. This wasn't like a Forsberg or a Lindros where he got hurt and he tried, uh, and he just you know things were taken from him. He he walked. He made those choices. He wanted to make fifteen million dollars in in Russia per year, and he couldn't make it in the United States. And that's there's nothing wrong with making that decision. Financially, it was probably the right decision for him, but you don't also get to turn around and be in in the Hall of Fame because. I don't care what he did in the KHL. I don't care what anybody does in the KHL when it comes to the Hall of Fame. Those accomplishments don't mean anything to me. When you choose to not participate in the highest level, you don't then turn around and get handed the highest reward. All just, right. just how I feel about it. He he was absolutely 1,000% on his way, and he just chose a different path, and that's totally fine. But he's just not going to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, like you just don't, you don't, you just won't make the Hall. He'll be, he'll be one of the great what could have been's, what should have been's. You know, oh, he walked away. Okay. I mean, okay. for 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 years. I mean, go back and watch every documentary about how hard Russian players fought to come over here. Yep. What and the crazy, crazy nonsense they had to go through yeah. to get over here. It's a great documentary about Malkin. And and he did, yeah. He spit on all of that. Yeah. I mean, and I don't I personally I just don't think he gets rewarded for it. Maybe maybe it sounds like I'm taking this too personally. Like I'm like, oh well he like he turned his back on the highest league in the world that people scratch and claw and dedicate their entire lives to playing in and he said no thank you and like like Pavel Datsuk did the same thing but he did it because he wanted to go be with his family and he'd already achieved so much he was Pavel Datsuk is a slam dunk easy hall of famer yep and Kovalchuk just said no and then wanted to come back because the KHL instituted a salary cap and he could no longer make crazy pants money over there. <laughs> okay. And so he came back to the, he came back to the NHL. It was, it was, and like, there's again, there's nothing wrong with the player who chases money in his career. I, I never begrudge players who want to get paid, but there are certain things when you leave the, the, the best league in the world, you don't get to then turn around and say you were one of the all time greatest players. You had a chance to prove that, and you you chose a different path. I'm fine with it. I'm yeah. fine with it. I've, I've, I've come around to it, but I do want to project a couple. Well, all right. Let's project one of these. The other one, I don't even know if you need to project. Nikita Kucherov. Yes. On, on the path. Would not be in if he retired today, though. Definitely. Steven Stamkos. On the path. You don't think he'd get in over a point per game and 800 games played? Does the cup matter for them? It sure helps all of their legacies. Yeah. All right. Maybe Stamkos most of all, just because he's been around the longest. I, I, I think it would help Stamkos more than Kucherov for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I And and like, like Kucherov and Hedman, I think, are on their way. Um. If Stamkos doesn't have any significant drop off in the next five years, he's probably on his way too. I would think so. Um, yeah, there's obvious ones, you know, Drysaitel, McDavid, if they McDavid, keep doing McKinnon, what they're doing. yeah, those, they're locks, are, it's whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I, I don't. I'm assuming you haven't prepared for this, but 
off the top of your head, any dark horse candidates, any candidates you love to, to sneak in possibly? Um, candidates that I would love to sneak in as potential hall of famers who are what? Like, give me some more. I, uh, we can go with current NHL players. First of all, I think a guy that's going to have a really interesting end of career conversation is Panarin. You think, you think so? You don't think that one's looking like a lock? Assuming he continues to play. The thing, the thing with it, he's only got 300 games played. He is 28. And like his 20s are running out. And so you wonder if he finishes with 600 games played, 700 games played, and he only finishes with 500 points, 600 points. Yeah, that's probably not going to do it. But yeah, it's, you know, he would need, it, it would need to be a spectacular run. You know, he would need uh, to, to, like, win the heart this year kind of yeah. thing. He would need another, you know, to maintain the production he's doing now well into his 30s, basically. Yeah, and at least until he's, like, 34, 35. Yep. Um, so I think that's a guy that that's going to have a really uh, just a, a fascinating conversation. Sure. When it's done, because he just got such a late start. Yeah. Um, I do wonder kind of what happens with a guy like Jack Eichel. You know, he's uh, he's at a point per game already in his career. The but we also know a little bit. Yeah. You know, if he doesn't can if he if he can never if he can't make the postseason, what do you do there? Um, to to respond to Cygnus in the chat about you know can Bishop work his way into it. I think Ben Bishop is one of the this generation's most underrated goaltenders. If you go back and you look, um, I think it's six of the last seven years he's been at least a league average goaltender, and in all but one of those years, he was better than that. And the one he didn't have that great of a year was the year handed up in LA where he got moved and it was a contract year and it was just not a great year for him. But he's otherwise been either good to outstanding for the better part of a decade. And, you know, sure, if he can keep that up for five more years, then I think that definitely turns into a conversation. Fighting words, AJ. In the chat. You got any, Koning, uh... Koningsburg placed Carolina barbecue above Texas barbecue. I can understand KC barbecue because KC barbecue is unimpeachable and it's incredible. But placing Carolina barbecue ahead of Texas barbecue strongly suggests RK hasn't ever been to Texas. <laughs> there you go. And if he has been, he's been he's been going to the wrong places. He's going to like famous Dave's or some bullshit and not going to the places <laughs> he needs to go. There you go. AJ throwing down. I almost want to just pay for RK to fly down to Dallas, go to Pecan Lodge and fly back. Just and try and make an argument for anything in Carolina. Get the hell out. <laughs> That frustrates me. That disrespects everybody hates Texas. Um, I'm going to give you one final exercise in sadness here, AJ, for yourself. Okay. Got to do it to you, unfortunately. John Tavares. Oh, no. I was like, what are you talking about? And then just before you said it, I yeah. realized where we were headed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, as far as traders go, he's definitely way up there. Um, I think, I think he's on the path. I would agree. It's I think, I think he's on the path. And if he dare acknowledges the first nine years of his career during his hall acceptance speech, you know, um, <laughs> I'll fight him under the sun. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> All right. I guess that's as good a place as any to uh, end the podcast sick. today. Um, thank you, everyone, 
as always, for listening. You know, we'll be here five days a week. Today, if you watch live, we do have our usual prospect watch coming up this evening at 6 p.m. We will be watching Alex Bocage, the elite Q sniper himself. So be sure to tune in to that one. Come hang out and watch our abs prospects with us. But yeah, I guess until tomorrow, we will see all of y'all next time. Green Mountain Dental Group is in Lakewood, and they're the best family-owned dentist in the metro area. Plus, they're extreme Colorado sports fans, just like all of us. When you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush. So be sure to give us a tweet. Send us a little picture of your awesome Sonicare that you got for heading on down there. They're just 15 minutes from downtown over in Lakewood, and taking care of your teeth is a great first step for overall good health. Again, free Sonicare toothbrush with a cleaning x-ray and exam. My chat, thanks for hanging out. We'll see you next time. The FDR Avalanche with Hey Police.